0: morning, praise God, let's go over to Philippians chapter 4 and uh, this is where we'll begin Uh, as we continue with this that we've been looking at faith for healing and uh, we made a statement last week. That where faith for healing is concerned, there will always be a fight for your attention. For your attention. That's, that's where the enemy will concentrate his attack is on your attention. Uh, trying trying to, to gain your attention, obviously. Uh, but that's something to remember because you got to remember that, the, that the, the devil is a flesh devil. And what I mean by that is he's got to operate in the realm of, of flesh, of, of feeling, uh, what can be seen, what can be felt. Um, that's, that's the only thing that he has because he doesn't have access to our spirit. And so he has to, to try to gain our attention uh, through, you know, feelings, thoughts, what can be seen. All of those things are trying to divert uh, my attention. Now, in and of themselves, they're not bad things. They're, they're things that were given to us by God. Our feelings, the ability to think, the, the ability to, to, to ascertain. But uh, the enemy uses those areas to try to divert my attention, to get my focus. And uh, in Philippians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we see a key here. He says in verse 6, the first part of that, be careful for nothing. And uh, there, there's always a, um, I don't want to say this, there, there's a, a, a danger in what I see in the word because this, this is a, a plain statement. It echoes Jesus. He says, be careful for nothing. And other translations are even plainer. The Weiss Bible says, stop worrying about even one thing. So if I am doing that, stop it. The Berkeley translation says, entertain no worry. Don't even entertain it. Well, what does that mean? That means it's going to come around. It's up to me whether I entertain it or not. All right. Now, what I'm, what I'm focusing on is not so much worry as I am your attention. What has your attention? That, that is the key. You know, you don't look at somebody that's paying attention and say, hey, 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 pay attention. Right? You, you, you look at someone and you tell them to pay attention because you don't have their attention. All right? Well, Berkeley says entertain, no worry. Don't even entertain it. All right? So that means I need to get well versed in how those thoughts come and don't even entertain them. All right? Uh, Doddridge says, in the meantime, whatever necessities or whatever oppressions may arise, be anxious about nothing. Now, when I was looking at these verses over and over again, I have another one, but when I was looking at these, I kept looking at the, the, the emphasis. Stop worrying about even one thing. And whatever necessities, whatever oppressions, when you read words like that, it, here's what it means. Whatever it is, don't worry about it. All right? And so it's, it's not a situation where somebody's just patting your hand and saying, oh, now, brother, don't worry. Right? That's not what it's... When the Word of God... And, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. When the Word of God says, do not worry, the Word of God is so supernatural, it has the ability to cause itself to come to pass in your life. And so when you read, do not worry, that's in the Word. So it's possible to not worry. Because the Word, maybe not in myself, but the Word will produce... And reproduce in me what it says. All right? So if the word says stop worrying, then it's possible to stop worrying. I made a statement last week, and I'll recap just a little bit. Uh, The flesh, the go-to for the flesh is to worry. To, to, To be worried. Because here's the thing. Very often, the flesh doesn't feel it's being responsible if it doesn't worry. I've had people tell me things like, well, how could I sleep last night? My child's sick. I don't know. You could have laid your head on your pillow, closed your eyes, and went to sleep. Yeah, but you don't understand. You've come too late to say that about me. Because I know what I've been through, and I know how I got through it. All right. The Bible says in Psalm 127, it is vain for you to sit up late and worry. That's what it says. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. All right. Verse 3. All right. Unless the Lord keeps the city, the wakement, the watchman stays awake all night for nothing. So what's that saying? If if the Lord's on the case, what are you staying up all night? Right? Because what he's saying is this, if the Lord doesn't do it, it doesn't do you any good to worry about it. You, you understand? And so what people do is is they worry and they feel responsible because they're worrying, but the worrying is just bringing destruction. Hallelujah. So he says to stop worrying. Entertain no worry. Those are choices I have to make. when when someone says, well, I'm just worried about this, what they're saying is I'm choosing to worry about this. I'm making a choice to worry. Hallelujah. So what I see and what I feel, what I experience, what I may be going through is a truth. But I have to turn to a greater truth. All right? And in those verses, we see that greater truth. Number one, don't worry about anything. We talked last week about being thankful. He says He says, "In your prayer and your petition, your general prayer and your definite petition, uh, mix it with thanksgiving." All right? So I see the greater truth. I see it in the word. And I'm thankful for what I see in the Word. And that's why we made the statement the Word of God is so supernatural that it has the ability to reproduce itself in my life, to reproduce itself in my body. And and there's a reason for that. Let's look let's look at first Peter one. See, you don't want to get your thoughts theology if we can put it that way from someone's experience experience is a very poor reason to make a decision well I didn't do this because so-and-so's experience well you don't know what they did or didn't do and so when you make a decision based on experience all right experience can change it can vary between people I want to make a decision based on the Word, First Peter 1 and 23, but the, it says this, Being born again, not of corruptible seed. Here's what I want you to see. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. So notice, the Word of God is incorruptible seed. The Word of God is seed. Hallelujah. And you don't have to go there, but Genesis 1.12 says that the seed produces after its own kind. So in other words, the seed you plant is the harvest that you receive. All right, the seed I plant is the harvest that I receive. So that, that's why my words should be full of the word of God. My words should be full of what God said. And see, that's not just a positive confession. It's that my words are full of the word. All right? Because the seed of the word is sowed by our words. And notice... It, the word of God is seed. You you can't sow apples and reap pears. Cannot. Brother Hagen, Charles Caps, others, brother Hagen, brother Charles specifically, they used to say, your life today is a result of what you said yesterday. Period. For, for instance, now I'm not talking on words, but just think about this. What about that person that makes this statement all the time? Well, cancer runs in our family. Heart trouble runs in our family. Right? This runs in our family. Well, what are they doing? They're, they're planting seeds in their heart, and they're planting seeds in the heart of those coming up, and those coming up or those in the family are expecting now a harvest of heart trouble a harvest of cancer a harvest of whatever why because those words are seeds they're seeds and that and that's why the enemy is always trying to divert your attention and get you to focus on the thoughts the feelings the situation and talk it see it's not just negative and positive it's that it's seeds Jesus said you'd have what you say Because words are seeds. And if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. Hallelujah. Now, hallelujah. The harvest is proof of the seed that was sown. If I come to your house and you have a backyard full of tomatoes, you can tell me you sowed cucumbers all you want. But I see tomatoes, right? Hallelujah. This is is so important, especially where healing is concerned. Because uh, you've got to understand the importance then of ingesting the Word where healing is concerned because I'm, I'm, I'm planting the seed of the Word in me. And the Word will produce after itself. All right. It's 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 not and and I'm again I'm getting ahead of myself. You're you're when you ingest the word, you're ingesting the greater truth. All right? The creative truth is greater than what came after it. All right? In Mark chapter 4. We'll get into that statement in a moment. In Mark chapter 4 Now, this is commonly referred to as the parable of the sower. But here's the thing. That doesn't do this passage justice. Because it's the parable of the word. All right? Because Jesus said, Mark chapter 4, verse 14, The sower soweth the word. The sower sows the word. So the word is seed being sown. And he said, we've already read this, that the seed will produce after its kind. The sower sows the word. The seed of the word of God. And understand something, the issue is not with the seed. See, I've, I've, I've had people kind of get upset with me over the years. They'll say, well, I did that, and it didn't work. Impossible. It's impossible. Why? Because the Word produces after itself. The seed of the Word of God will always produce. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 at the very least, it'll give you understanding. It'll give you ideas. It'll give you concepts. It'll give you a way to do what you need to do. It'll heal your body. It'll bless you financially. All right. But the sower sows the word. The word word is seed. It produces after its own self. The issue is not with the seed. The issue is what the seed, the, the, the issue is what's done with the seed and what the seed's exposed to. All right. What is done with that seed. And what is that seed exposed to? Now, there's a lot here, but we're not going to take the time to go through all of it. Uh, Verse 18 is where I wanted to get. And these are they which are sown among thorns. Now, watch. Such as hear the word. They heard the word. All right, faith comes by hearing. The word is seed. So they heard the word. That's sown among thorns. Now, people always make a big issue of the ground. And I'm not saying that, that that's incorrect, but here's the issue. Okay, it's sown among thorns. Well, the Word is being sown to you today, and I don't know everything that you got going on. I don't know what you may be facing, what challenges are in your life. So, in reality, the Word is being sown among thorns. People say, well, thorny soil. No, according to Scripture, those thorns are the anxieties of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the care of other things. All right, now here's the thing. None of those things had to choke the word. This person let them choke the word. See, because you, you read, you read the, the, the verse 15 up here. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they've heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. So people will preach, yeah, the moment you hear the word, the devil's going to come and try to take it. Not necessarily. He can't just take the word from you. I have to let it go. The context here is that they didn't do anything with the Word. They just let it lay on top of the ground. They didn't didn't dig. They didn't put the Word in the ground. The Word was sown. They let the devil steal it. If all of these types of ground are indicators of the heart, then this person just didn't do anything with the Word. They came to church on Sunday morning. They came to church on Sunday night. They came to healing school. They came to all the classes, and they never did anything with what they heard. And because they didn't do anything with what they heard, the devil could take the Word. Amen. And, and people in this category will say, well, I, I heard the Word. I did, I. No, they, they didn't dig. They didn't put the Word in their heart see it's not the word it's not that the word didn't work they never put it in a position for it to work hallelujah and then verse 16 I wasn't gonna look at all these but we will these are they likewise sown on stony ground when they've heard the word immediately receive it with gladness but they don't have a root in themselves and they endure for a time. But then when affliction, which is pressure or persecution, arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. So, so again, the word, the word tried to take root. It tried to grow. All right? But, but there was no cultivation. There was no preparation for the soil. There was no depth of earth there. If you live in rocky soil, you got two choices. Dig up the rocks or put more soil on top. That's the only option you have. But again, the point that I'm making is the problem wasn't with the Word. Because notice, they endured. Well, what endured? The seed of the Word in them. What it was producing. They held on to it for a little while, but then pressure came. Mm. And notice what pressure did to the plant that was the, that the time was not taken to cultivate. Got it. Do you see that? And notice what it was. They were offended. Huh. They got offended at the word. Well, it's doing pretty good, but it it didn't last. Well, now wait a minute. That that's that's like that's like right. That's that's like sowing tomatoes one season. And boy, you put the miracle grow on them and you fertilize them and you keep them taken care of and you keep the water on them and you go out there and you just got four or five or six vines of tomatoes and the next year you think, well, I'm going to do that again. You plant your tomatoes and you don't cultivate them and you don't fertilize them and you water them every now and then and you go out and you got one little nub about that big on the vine. You're well, tomato seeds don't work. Well, yes, they do. What's wrong with these seeds? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with the seeds. The issue is with the cultivation. All right? Now, so saying all that, we get to verse 19 and 18 and 19. Notice they heard the word among the thorns. So they had things going on. But notice, verse 19 says, And the cares of this world. and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in. Now that word, entering in, it's a a wonderful phrase. I taught about this in my book, Refusing the Care. Uh, Entering in. it, It means that they just kept encroaching. They were allowed to enter in. They entered in, and notice, they choked the word and it becomes unfruitful. Oh, hallelujah. See, the Weiss Bible says, the anxieties of the present age and the deceitfulness of wealth, the passionate desires with reference to the rest of the things, not in these categories. Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So the, at the top of the list is the anxieties of this present age. And Paul said to us already, stop worrying about even one thing. So what does that mean? That is the beginning. That's the, that's the door stop. If you're going to worry about it, don't pray about it. Don't confess scriptures. If you're going to worry about it, everything you do after that is consumed by your worry. Everything. If you're going to worry about it, don't pray about it. If you're going to worry about it, don't quote scriptures. Because it won't work. Because it says right here that worry and care choke the word. See, you can't do both. See, you can't tell a lie and say you're truthful. Is that right? You can't be somewhat faithful. Is that right? I was teaching last night in school, uh, in Bible school, and, and I asked one of the young ladies that's going to be getting married, I said, you want your husband to be somewhat faithful? Why? Because the Bible says what that that who the Word works for are those that are faithful. Well, faithful to what? Faithful to the Word. So do you see this so the first thing I have to stop is that attention grabbing worry that's trying to grab my attention and put it on whatever it may be whatever the circumstance may be oh hallelujah and that's at the top of the list in 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 both Teachings In Jesus' teachings, Jesus is the one that said that too. He said, don't worry about one thing. Then Paul echoed Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. See, the word is incorruptible seed. Yet, by allowing worry and anxiety, it can be choked. Notice, it became unfruitful. It was bearing fruit. And it became unfruitful. Well, how do I not worry? you got to turn to a greater truth. See, understand this. It's not that what a person may be worried about is not valid. I'm just not going to worry about it. See, people think if I don't worry, I don't care. even though i'll kill you with my worry so what would be more caring to worry and hold the door open for everything the devil wants to do or refuse to worry and keep and keep the word working you, you understand but people say well you know that person must not care they they weren't they it, They weren't even worried. No, they they care enough not to worry. Oh, glory to God. Did you see that? And uh, worry is seed that will produce more worry. Because here's the scenario. A person will worry they have a disease. And then they'll worry that they're going to die from that disease. Amen. See, healing school's the antidote. I'll have people come, and they'll say, Pastor, I need you to agree with me because I'm just worried that I have. Okay, first thing we've got to do is deal with that worry because we can't agree through your worry. Can't do it. All right. Why? Because of if. Well, you know what I mean. No, no, I don't. Say what you mean. If you said you were worried. Chances are you're worried. Right? Hallelujah. So that's where I got to spend time doing what? Remember, I've talked about this over and over again. I got to spend time getting the picture Right, so that so that I'm so that I'm uh, 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 so that I'm ejecting that worry out of my life. I, I read a book years ago called "How to Quit Worrying and Start Living," "How to Quit Worrying and Enjoy Life." I think is what it was by a guy Dale Carnegie. I think wrote that book. But in any event, he made a statement about anything that you're worried about. Sit down and write down the worst thing that could happen because of that. Now, when you're dealing with sickness and disease, of course, the people think the worst thing that could happen is I could die. Well, but 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 then put down the result. If you're a believer and you die, the moment you close your eyes, you're with Jesus Pretty good trade-off. Right? So here's the thing. So you have no real worry. Right? But the enemy will try to get you to worry that if you die, then what's going to happen to your wife, your husband, your kids, your family. All those different things. And all those worries, according to Mark chapter 4, all those worries combine and do and try to choke the word out of you. Amen. Well, Pastor, what would your wife do if you died? I'll tell you what she'd do. She'd just go right on with the plan. Amen. We've already made the decision. If one of us go before the other one, we're not going to be sad. We're not going to grieve. We're not going to be overwrought. we got business to take care of. we got, we got the plan of God to fulfill. And just because somebody dies doesn't change the plan of God. You understand why I'm saying that? Because those worries try to choke the word out of you. And people will make statements like, well, I'm just worried if they die, I just couldn't go on. What? How? I don't understand that. Because you're here. I mean, what are you gonna do? See, that's 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 the enemy trying to stop the plan of God. Amen. To to this person, the doctor's report is just a confirmation that what they were worried about was true. Yep, yep, see, I was worried. That's see. Amen. When you turn to the word, you're not just reading the word, you're sowing the word into your heart. And the word has a supernatural ability to reproduce itself. That's how you turn to the greater truth. This is what the word says. Remember in, in, in the scriptures... Uh, when Paul was writing about the covenant that God made with Abraham, and he said that uh, God that 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 God swore by the greater, because God could swear by no greater, He swore by Himself. Right, and the Bible says that even where where just natural human men are concerned, the greater man in the party, if he gives his word, that's an end to all discussion. Right? God gave His Word. That's an end to all discussion. This is the greatest truth. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? The Word is producing what you're sowing. If you're sowing healing, it's producing healing. Because it will reproduce in your life. Oh, hallelujah. If you're going in for a procedure and you say, in the name of Jesus, this will be simple and easy. Ah, hallelujah. Right? What are you going to get? Simple and easy. Why? Because that's what you're sowing. But if you're talking about all what could happen, Right, all the bad things that could happen, and and you know, in every agreement that you sign, when you have a surgery or a procedure, it says you could die. Well, what are they doing? Covering themselves. But the people read that, not, and and i and I've seen people. Well, you mean I could die from this? Well, you, I mean, you can die from getting out of bed. I mean, it's a it's a viable statistic. Google it sometime. How many people each year die from falling out of bed? You'll be amazed at the hundreds of people, thousands of people that die getting out of bed. Foot got stuck in the cover and they fell and broke their neck or hit their head. I mean, I'm not, I'm not laughing at it in the sense that it's humorous, but I mean, we live in a dangerous world. When you got out of bed today and walked out your front door Your body encountered so many germs and so many viruses that you don't even know anything about, and your immune system that's perfectly and wonderfully made by God just rose up and attacked them and drove them out of your body, and you don't even know they were there. See? Do you understand? So when you confess, when you confess... I abide in the secret place of the Most High God. No evil shall befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. The word that you're sowing has the ability to cause itself to come to pass. Oh, hallelujah. To get the word, the enemy has to get our attention away from the word. That's why i got to keep turning to the greater truth. Got to keep turning to the greater truth. Don't let the situation get my attention. It's there. It's real. It exists. There might be pain. There might be a report. There might be evidence. But I'm going to turn to the greater truth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13, and uh, <clears throat> verse 22. This is the same uh, scripture, same account, Matthew's version, Matthew thirteen twenty-two. He that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, And he becomes unfruitful. Now, Mark 4 says it becomes unfruitful, the word. The word is choked, and Mark says it becomes unfruitful. Matthew says the word is choked, and he, the man, becomes unfruitful. So, in order to stop the person, the enemy has to stop the word. If he can't stop the word and stop your ingestion of the word, he can't stop you. Hallelujah. See, none of these things have to work if they don't have my attention. I don't have to worry, I don't have to look at natural things as my source. I don't have to let any myriad of other things come into my life and choke the Word. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Amen. So none of them have to work. I'll hear people say things, and, and it's not necessarily about healing, but I'll hear people say things about kids nowadays and well, you know, the kids, and what do you expect? The world we live in. Listen, just because me and my kids live in the world doesn't mean the world's got to live in them. Just the reality of it. You, 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 you understand? Because my words are seeds. I quote over my children every day. Psalm chapter 12. They, Lord, you keep them from this generation forever. That's my confession. Why? That's what the Word says. So what's happening? It's being reproduced in their life. They're being kept from this generation. If, 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 and, and four famous boys that we read about in the Bible, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, if they can go into Babylonian captivity and be put into the service of the king and be given Babylonian names, and yet the Bible says that they were found to be in the service of God in the middle of that wicked generation. What I'm trying to say is you got to keep turning to the greater truth. The, the power of the Word to keep you is greater than the power of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Always. I've told people over the years, don't put more stock in the devil's ability to steal, kill, and destroy than in God's ability to bring life and life more abundantly. Amen. Amen. People will say, well, I know the Word says, uh, but. See, the but is what has their attention. I know the Word says I'm healed, but I don't feel good. I know the Word says I'm healed, but the doctor said. I know the Word says I'm healed, but the symptoms. I know the Word says I'm healed, but the pain. The but has their attention. Hallelujah. Always turn to the greater truth. John chapter 17. See, that's what being a person of the word is. Being a person of the word is not a denomination. If, if you're a person of the word, it means the word and I've heard people say the word is the final authority in my life. The word is the authority in my life. Not the final authority. I don't go to it finally. It's, it's my first turn. Amen. And you just keep working the word. You just you just keep turning to the word. Watch the word say? Right? When when Amen. There, 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 there are people that can get. Fr- I've had people get frustrated with me because they'll, they'll make statements. They'll say, "Well, how's this?" And I'll say, "Well, this is, this is what the word says." I'll say what the word says. When Lily was battling what she was battling, people would say, "Well, does she still have a fever?" And I'd say, "Fevers are under the curse of the law. Extreme burning and fevers are under the curse of the law, and we're redeemed from it." I wasn't trying to be mean, I wasn't trying to be rude, I wasn't trying to be hard, but I'm not going to talk about the power the fever has. I'm going to talk about what the Word of God will do. You understand? Well, what if they got to go to the hospital? Then you're with them in the hospital, putting your hand on them, saying fevers are under the curse of the law. Doctor, do what you can do, but understand that fevers are under the curse of the law. I thank you for what you did, the medication that you gave. It's such a blessing. But your medicine didn't heal my daughter. The Word of God healed my daughter. You helped, but you didn't do You can't heal nobody. Only God can heal. Right? And, 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 I, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your help, and I appreciate your kindness. But fevers are under the curse. John 17, 17, notice what it says. Sanctify them through your truth. Then he says, your word is truth. Psalm 119, you don't have to go there, but Psalm 119, David said this. He said, your word is true from the beginning. The word is true from the beginning. Psalm 119, verse 128, David said this. He said, therefore, I consider all your precepts concerning all things to be right. See, the Word is truth. And most believers, even nominal believers, will tell you, well, yeah, I mean, the Word's true. I mean, it's God's Word. I mean, it's all true. How can you doubt truth? I mean, is it true you're sitting down? Then you would think somebody was a buffoon if they came in and doubted that you were sitting down unless you're very short mary might be standing up i don't know but 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 the point the point is is of course you're sitting down that's true what why would i doubt what is true it's true amen so the word is truth That word truth means what is true in any matter under consideration. So the circumstance is true. It's real. Yet, it can be changed by the greater truth. Now, why is it the greater truth? Because it was here first. We we talk about the curse coming into the earth. What did the curse encounter when it came into the earth? Health. What has been happening ever since the curse came on the earth? The curse has been trying to drive health out of the earth. What was here first? I mean here's here's something for you. What came first? Chicken or the egg? Chicken. Because chicken produces the eggs. Now that's a simple illustration. God can't give birth to sickness. God can't produce sickness, create sickness. Has no part in sickness. That's why when you read through the Old Testament and you see sicknesses coming on people and they translated it, that God did it. God allowed it. God's hand was stopping it from coming on them. The curse was in the earth. God's hand was stopping it. They disobeyed God and wouldn't do what God said, and God just took his hand away. He didn't make anybody sick. Because God doesn't make sick. All right? Psalm 119 says, you are only good. Only good. Well, if he's only good, no good person would ever make someone sick. Well, but here's, here's the point. So the, the creative truth is the greater truth. Health was on the earth first. Sickness came with the curse. So the greater truth can drive out the secondary truth. Hallelujah. See, you'll never turn to the Word and get sick because there's no seed of sickness in the Word. Now, that can sound oversimplified, but you just won't. You won't go to the Word and get sick. You'll get health because there is the seed of healing. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His Word and healed them. And delivered them from all their destruction. Oh, hallelujah. So that's what I've got to remember. When I'm declaring the word, I'm turning to the word. It's reproducing itself in me. That's why David Engels wrote that song. The word is working mightily in me. It's working right now. It's affecting a change. It's driving sickness and disease out of my body. The spirit life of 1 Peter two twenty four is affecting a change and a remedy in my body right now in the name of Jesus, driving sickness and disease out of me. I had somebody ask me too long ago, not too long ago, why didn't you get sick? I said, because I'm too healed. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not being, see, that just comes out of me. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not. It's just, I'm too healed. There's no room for it. Rip, listen, Christmas is about here. And some of y'all are going to eat really good. And, and, and chances are, after that feast, you're going to sit down on the couch and somebody's going to come ask you if you want something else. And what are you going to say? I can't eat another bite. Why? I'm full right sickness comes around and you say i'm too full of health sorry amen because the word is reproducing itself but in closing what's the key keep turning to the greater truth i'm going to keep turning to the greater truth And, and that's, that's my job. I just keep turning my, my attention to the greater truth. This is the greater truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? When, when that's, so, that's so important. One, one of the scriptures the Lord gave me for my grandson's heart when we were believing for him was in Psalm 112 and it just simply says his heart is fixed. Well, I mean fixed is 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 the word stable, carries the idea of a peg in a board. I mean it's stable, it's fixed, or right? it's not moving. And and that was uh, there was a variety of other ones, but that was the one that that I would always come come down da- it always came down to. And ever what the report was, and the report was always progressively getting better. But the, the result was the issue is still there. It's getting better, but the issue is still there. And I'd just say, Griffin Wayne's heart's fixed. I don't care who I was talking to. His heart is fixed. All right? And so over, over the process of time, he went from that hole in his heart being the size of a quarter to being almost non, non-noticeable. And the doctor's saying he'll never have to have a procedure. Because his heart is fixed. Well, what was happening? The Word was reproducing itself in his body. See, people very often wonder why new believers and kids have very little problem getting healed. Because they don't know how to doubt. And what we do sometimes after we learn to doubt is we just keep repeating learned behavior. And we keep coming up with reasons why it won't work. Whereas well, a child will go, well, yeah, I still don't feel better, but I'm healed. A, a new believer will just come and receive because they don't know they're not supposed to. They, they don't have any reasons. They, they don't know they're supposed to feel something. Right? It's important. And so my point in saying that is so the Word was working mightily in him because he didn't know it wasn't supposed to. And I say that for reasons of explanation. The Word's always supposed to work. But can you go back and think about the very first time you doubted the Word? Now, there are people who say, I don't doubt the Word, but you have. Everybody has, right? Hopefully it was the first and the last time, but if it wasn't, what, what what caused it? could have been the, the issue you were dealing with, the pain, the circumstance, the symptoms, whatever it was. But something got in there and caused me to doubt what the Word of God said. Well, what it primarily was, was something got your attention. Let, let me finish with the story. Brother Hagan talked about the man, older man, that uh, came to his church there in uh, Texas when he was pastoring. And uh, this man had uh, uh, a bad back issue, and he would would get over, bend over, and and he just couldn't get back up. It was just a bad situation. And uh, he came to church one night and just got gloriously healed, got gloriously healed. And was just doing all kind of gymnastics in front of the church. Bending, moving. And uh, Brother Hagan said uh, a few days later, uh, he was uptown. And he said uh, this man had a cow that he had staked out in the field in town. That's how long ago that was. And he had him staked out in the field in town. And he said he saw him. The cow had come untied. And he needed to bend down and retie that rope. And he said, uh, uh, I, I was walking over to him to talk uh, to him. And he said, I got over there, and he started to get back up, and he said he just, he just yelled out, oh, oh, and grabbed his back. Brother Hagin said, I went to help him. He said, no, don't touch me. It'll it just make it worse. And uh, he, he finally got straightened up, and he looked at Brother Hagin, and he said, you know, I thought I was healed. And Brother Hagin said, uh, well, what makes you think you're not? And he said, I can tell you what happened. He said, I wasn't there, but I can tell you what happened. And the man said, what? He said, at some point, those symptoms came back on you, and you said, well, I thought I was healed. And he said, you know, you're exactly right. I was standing in line at the post office the other day, and that pain came back on me, and I said those exact words, well, I thought I was healed. Well, see, what got his attention, the pain. I don't like pain. I don't want anybody to go through pain. But the issue is that's what got his attention. And and notice what he said. I guess I thought I was healed. Well, was he healed? He was healed. What happened? What what he said began to choke the word. Amen. Being in faith is not suffering through and calling it faith. You understand? I knew a man one time that had a, a severely debilitating disease. He eventually died of it. And 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 I, I, I want to say this the best way I know how. He wouldn't fully commit to what the doctors wanted him to do. All right? Because he felt like You know, as much as he knew about the Word, he should be healed. But the question was always in his mind, why am I not healed? I could never get him to settle the fact that he was healed. A man of two minds. See, the Word never fully had his attention. Because the circumstance was always speaking. So faith is not just suffering through. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm what I'm trying to explain is the pain got that man's attention. Because there there was a, a hint of pain. Oh, I guess I'm not healed. He had he should have turned to the greater truth. The greater truth is he bore my pain. That's what you're saying. We teach, now I'm I'm about to close. We teach people that where their walk with Christ is concerned. If thoughts from their past come up, what do we teach them? Oh, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what I am. This this is what I am and this is what I have. Run those thoughts out. But then, then pain comes. And the thought comes, well, I guess you didn't get healed. And they won't do the same thing there. Oh, no, he carried my pain. Right? He carried my pain. And if he carried it, I don't have to carry it. Right? See, what's going on? There's not a big enough harvest of the word yet to drive it completely out. But you keep sowing the word. And the Word will keep growing The Bible says in the book of Luke that if you keep sowing the Word, eventually the Word that you sow that looks like the smallest of all seeds will go into the ground and grow up and become greater than every tree in the garden. Amen. You just got to stay with it. Faith and patience work together. That's why the Bible says, be followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Amen. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the manifest presence of the Word. We thank you that the Word is producing a harvest In our lives, Lord, it is reproducing itself in our bodies. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just pray for every person, Lord, under the sound of our voice, every person watching online, every person in the room, every person that has made requests for healing, Father, for agreement concerning family members. Father, we come into agreement with them concerning the Word of God. And we declare health and healing and wholeness over them in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Lord, all infections, infections are under the curse. Father, breathing difficulties are under the curse. You said that under the curse they would be blasted with mold and with mildew and things that cause breathing difficulty. We've been redeemed from that. In the name of Jesus, we breathe good. We breathe deep. We breathe strong in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for proper function of lungs. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank, Father, my grandson was born three months early. And Lord, you healed him in every part of his body. You strengthened him. You healed his heart. Father, there's nothing that you won't do and nothing that you can't do. And so, Father, we're not looking at the circumstance. We're looking at the truth, the greater truth. And the greater truth is that we're healed. Mm. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you for being our good God, our healer. Mm, our provider, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for being here today. We're so grateful. We have church tomorrow night, of course. Be with us if you can. Until then, please remember to keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith. God bless you.